Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Axis Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. Here today with my co-host, Joe Pirates. Hey, Joey. Hello. Uh, yeah, we're kind of cool here in Arizona right now. Believe it or not, it's not 150 degrees. I love that. I always get the AZ update every time I do a podcast. Every exactly. <laughs> but I get, I'm happy because I guess like, Greg's over with us. Greg, you're, Greg's here in LA with me, but we have Greg Economo on. He's a co-CEO of Game One. Greg, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks. I know you're in LA. A little chilly in LA too. I know you're in LA because I know. Yeah, we got that. It's not too bad though, but you know what? Every day is a good day for a podcast, right? Yeah, every day. As long (laughs) as it's indoors, it's good. Every day is good to chat. So I'm super glad you're here. Like you have a really great background. Like, and I know we've ran into each other a few times because we're a PR firm in the tech and sports place, but you, your background is pretty extensive. I don't, I want to get into game one because we're all about sports and entertainment, but you know, you were at Dick Clark Productions. I love that you were the CCO at Ticketmaster and the sports. And I know that became a cleat mess with COVID. So it's probably in hindsight, good you had the hindsight to create your own thing. But yeah. like, I want to chat with you about this because you just recently started game one, right? And you're creating the content scripted, unscripted for the sports industry or sports our athletes, sports individuals, right? Well, it's really our effort to create a bridge between sports and Hollywood, right? In a, in a holistic way across all formats of, of content, whether that be feature films, scripted television, unscripted television, or podcasts. So it's, it's really an effort to say, where are the, where's the best IP? Where are the best stories? And what's the best format to put it into? And then how do we really connect the dots with, with the Hollywood community so that we have the best storytellers in the world telling the best stories about the best IP. So Awesome. Well, you recently left Ticketmaster. Uh, I left Ticketmaster in the middle of 2019. Basil Iwanek, my partner and I, it took us a few months of doing business planning and fundraising. And then we launched in, in 2019. We had some early success and then COVID hit. And what we thought might have slowed us down actually helped us. The quarantines actually helped fuel our business a little bit because a lot of the sports and entertainment industries came to a grinding halt and it gave us a lot of access and time to talk to leaders in those industries about what the model was and what we were trying to create. And, you know, fast forward to now we walk out with dozens of content partnerships with athletes, teams, leagues, media companies, teams from domestically, international and relationships in Hollywood. And we've produced a bunch of things that we've sold already to distributors. We've got a bunch more that are that are coming. So we knew that we wouldn't be producing much. So we went into hardcore development mode and just took advantage of the downtime. Interesting. You made a lot of contacts, I imagine. Uh, What sport do you think needs the most help in this field? I mean, I I have my thought that it might be the Major League Baseball community, but uh, I'd like to hear what you say. Why would you say MLB? I was thinking you were going to say golf. But everybody can golf green COVID. MLB, because I think MLB, they have a lot of stars, but it's for some reason they're not getting the word out. I mean, when Mike Trout in LA, he's the second best star there right now. Yeah. I mean, look, I think for us, we're not bucketing sports per se. We're, we're just looking for the best stories. Right. And they're coming from all over the place. I mean, we have stories that are baseball centric, basketball, football, international soccer. 
We have a mountain climbing documentary series we're working on right now, which is extraordinary. You know, we have a cricket. We're doing a documentary about cricket. So it just depends on where that IP is. And really the, the goal for us and, and for me personally is to try to uncover that those great stories. Where are they? Where are they living? What hasn't been told yet? You know, who's sitting on great IP and haven't ha- hasn't leveraged it yet. So if we tried to stay focused on one particular area, I think we'd miss things in other areas. So it's really trying to get the word out that we're doing these kinds of things. And now the the phone calls have gone from only outbound to a mix of inbound and outbound where we're having people call us and saying, hey, we have a cool baseball story you should take a look at. So interesting. What would you say was one of the most fascinating uh, stories that you guys have put together so far? What would you say that, you know, that distributors are picking up? I think, you know, for us, when we started the company, my partner is the leading independent film producer in Hollywood. Like he has produced for the past 10 years, he's owned a company called Thunder Road and he's produced the John Wick series, Sicario, The Expendables, The Town, Wind River, We Are Marshall, A Star is Born. I mean, he's incredibly prolific. And when we started talking about doing those kinds of things just against a sports backdrop, one of the overlays that we put on it was it, it has to be culturally relevant or socially impactful. Like we, we have to be telling stories that matter, you know, balls and strikes and who hits the most home runs. And, you know, there are definitely other storytellers and, and outlets for those stories to get told and distributed. Our point of view was let's tell stories that matter. And so we just sold a film to Netflix called Bruised, starring Halle Berry, who also directed the, the film. It'll be on later this year. And it's the story of an African-American woman, female, obviously, UFC fighter who falls from glory into into really rock bottom and how and why she tries to recover her life and, and through the trials and tribulations of doing that. You know, for us, it has meaning on many levels, right? I mean, for, first, we're dealing with a female sports figure, an icon in her sport who, you know, who's had a, fallen on hard times, you know, and obviously there's social justice dynamics involved with it as well. So, you know, for us, it was a, it was an incredibly meaningful story. This one, obviously fictitious, you know, in other cases, we're telling true stories. We're, you know, we're, we're doing some different biopics that uh, haven't been announced yet that we'll be working on that are, you know, trying to at least find what makes them interesting and meaningful and what what either shape culture or shape them the, how did the culture shape them so you know it's it's a mix of a lot of different things there's so there's so many stories to yet to be told i think that's why we're seeing things like you know netflix's explosion and at&t and discovery merging i mean there's just so there's so many stories that need still to be told so it's good to be kind of in the mix and being that bridge between sports and hollywood and it's nice that you guys have so many uh, streaming options to choose from right now. I mean, the streaming industry couldn't have come along at a better time, especially starting in about 2019 when it really started ramping up. Yeah, and that's and that's really what was the impetus of us doing this was that Azul has always been a sports fan and a former athlete himself. And he uh, he started sensing that there was this shift coming a couple of years ago and said, look, there's going to be a time when there are more buyers than there have ever been before. It's a better time to be selling content than there's ever been. But sports has been up represented. So how do we, you know, how do we start to focus on finding those stories and that IP? And so he came to me and said, "Look, you know the sports industry. You've worked in it for many years at, at at high levels. You know where to go find it, which is not an easy thing to do. Either finding and then figuring out how to acquire that IP because there's so much overlays and the ownership of IP at times." So my job has been to go hunting and find the great stories and build the relationships. And Basil, obviously, is, is one of the great producers in all of Hollywood, ultimately puts all these things together. So 
it's incredibly exciting, but also rewarding, right? We're doing a film right now. We just went in production on in New Orleans. It's a college football drama really around the topic of name, image, likeness, and, and inequality in, in the college sports landscape. That needs to be told. I can tell you yeah, that right Stephen now. Stephen James is playing the lead character who, who just had a breakout performance at Beale Street Good Talk. J.K. Simmons is playing the second lead who, uh, as the head coach of the team, it's, it's an incredible drama and a meaningful issue, right, that needs to be told with a lot of different layers to it. So those are things that are exciting, but we also can look back and go, look, we, we took a position, we made a statement, you know, we made a piece of art, hopefully that made a difference in people thinking once, twice, or three times about a certain topic or subject. And uh, that's important to us. I think that a lot of sports teams are doing because a good friend of mine is the CEO of an NBA team, Becky's, and we had him on our podcast and his whole big push has been diversity, quality, everything on and off the courts. And then it's funny because we have uh, the chief marketing officer for the PGA coming on, who I've been chatting with on and off the past few days. His big push through COVID in the golf industry is all about diversity and equality. And they're making some huge major moves and changes. And for golf right now, I mean, I'm not a big golfer, but he's a great guy. He's doing tremendous work with the PGA Tours. But they were out here a week or two ago doing some stuff with a few big celebrities. I mean, they're taking that same kind of, I mean, it's golf. You know, it's not a contact sport, unless you consider getting a golf ball a contact sport. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. That's my theory on that. But I was a golfer. But I just I love that they're actually taking a huge stand and making big moves to promote it from the golf courses, even. Yeah. No, I look, I think all sports, and I can't speak beyond sports because I would have worked in it my whole career, but I think the entire society is realizing that change needs to happen. And sports has been such a, a bellwether for society, right? There's more avidity and followership of, of sports teams and athletes and them taking a stand, doing the right thing, telling the right stories is, is paramount. And being a facilitator in that process, being someone who's kind of a, a bridge between, hey, you have a story to tell or you have something of meaning to say, we can help you do that is for me personally is really rewarding. And it's fun. You know, I mean, it's fun to, to be in, enjoyable, to be in the middle of, of trying to get those stories made and told. And so I look forward to, to doing, you know, to running the table. I mean, this has been a blast so far. When you were working with the Charlotte Hornets, did you see stories that needed to be told within that, that organization? Yeah, I should say that I thought of the last dance, you know, back when I was working with with MJ there, but I didn't. But uh, no, look, every organization has stories, right? And, you know, when we first started thinking about this, we were in discussions with some of the leagues and they would say, well, the, the teams with, you know, with history have an advantage. And my reply to that was not necessarily like they might have an advantage of telling historical or legacy stories, but that doesn't mean they can't get creative. To, you know, newer teams can't get creative and do unique things and, and shake it up a little bit. And so I think what we're seeing, and Sarah, you hit it on the head, is that all of these CMOs and all these teams and leagues are thinking about like, what is the vehicle? Like, what do we do now? You know, is it social media? Yeah. For, for many years, it was creating short form content that lived on social media, which is incredible. And we do a fair share of that in conjunction with some of our broader productions. But it really, the long form, the narrative, the storytelling, which is, you know, is starting to take over. And rightfully so. You see a show like Queen's Gambit, which, you know, arguably is sports, right? It's competition chess. Who to thunk a, a show about chess would be a show viewed, you know, by 80 million people and have the kind of relevance or sustenance to carry the message of mental illness and mental health and, and all the different things that were a part of that. But on the other hand, you see things like Cobra Kai, you know, which is like fun, sportsy, you know, throwback to my younger years when I watched Karate Kid when I was much younger. And, you know, and it's like, oh my God, these 
they're still doing this stuff and it's, but it's still a blast and it's still fun to be a part of. So for us, it's just finding it, right? It's just finding those stories and hopefully they're the good ones and you know, you have the good storytellers I, to make. I love Queen's Gambit. I actually binge through that thing so quickly. I was obsessed with it. But I don't, it doesn't really matter if you're these legacy players and goats on and VIPs on and off the courts. Every team has a story. Every person has their hardships. Everybody struggles, sweat, tears to get into the, up the ranks from high school to college to pro, no matter what sport it is. So there's always a story to be told out there, no matter what you do and who you are. I mean, we're excited to have some of the sports guys on, but having a two-time Golden Globe boxing champ on here. She was, I think, in early 2000s, she was one of the first women to hit a title or something in boxing. I mean, I, I did more power to them. Talking about yeah. your show. Like, I wouldn't get in a ring to get paid any amount of money to get my face messed up or nose broken. But that's just me. But you, you got to look at everybody. Everybody has a story to tell. And I think the right now is like a lot of these sports teams have been so big on the social media and everything. Because when we talk to a few of the teams that we worked with, it's really about fan base interactions and fans. Brand loyalty is when they know the backstory, not just the front bullshit of, hey, we're scoring, we're great. Look at how fancy our uniforms are. You know, we're getting the trophies, the awards, the rings. They want the brand loyalty. That's how the fans stay connected. And so it's all well, about, you know, and, and so they are changing the narrative and using all these platforms. And this is, we always say, because being in PR, you can't change the man to fit the narrative. Change the narrative to fit the man. And this is now the whole switch we're seeing in the sports industry. I think you've nailed it on the head, right? I mean, when you make a piece of content like Queen's Gambit, you have to manufacture or find the audience, right? And you hope, you don't know. Like when Basil made John Wick, which was his first independent film, the story about a guy who avenges the death of his dog, you know, who like, who would have thought that would have been a franchise that has done almost a billion dollars in the box office now, right? So you just don't know all the time. But when you do stuff in conjunction with these big time athletes or these big time teams, you're walking in with a pre-built audience, right? So if you do a program with a team that's super famous and they already have millions of fans, you hope just marketing to the millions of fans of that team will, will give you a running start, right? Where that's a huge advantage if leveraged correctly, because the hardest part of doing any storytelling is figuring out, does anybody really want to really want to listen to this or watch this. So if you have that predisposition already created and you can leverage those databases, then you know, you're know you off to a running start. It's interesting uh, seeing how things have unfolded in the English Premier League, the EPL. There are hundreds, I would literally say hundreds of stories wait, within wait, soccer I'm in England. I'm, I'm going to jump in on the blonde girl question. What is EPL? English Premier League. It's their, their number one, their top soccer league. Oh, okay. Carry on, Julie. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, is that a hard nut to crack when you get into an org? I mean, because it seems like with the EPL, things are very controlled over there. The message is always controlled. Yeah, it depends. Every situation's different. Different leagues have different rules. You may have more freedoms within certain leagues in some places and other places. You're much more tightly controlled and the teams are more controlled. It's really a consortium building or consensus building, I should say, effort where you're usually building some kind of triangle where it's like team, league, production company, and trying to figure out like, how can I get everyone to play nice in the sandbox? Because the greater good is going to help everyone, right? So the story, like it or not like it, I, I happen to love it. Like Ted Lasso helps 
the English Premier League, right? I mean, it's a, it's a fictitious story, but it's so fun and so whimsical, but also has some meaning underneath it, you know, about faith and, you know, like in, in, in confidence and undeterred perseverance to, to succeed. But it helps the league. And if that had been done with a team in that league, let's say like Richmond was a fake team, but let's say it was a real team, it would have helped that team too. So, but it takes a lot of finagling to get all those things aligned where there's mutual interest and everything's aligned and and you move forward. So it's never easy. I think it's probably easier than it's ever been just Mm -hmm. because people want to be storytellers now, where before they were so committed to their, you know, weakness and they were so proud of what they owned. It was hard to make things because there were just too many obstacles to make it happen. So I think one area that that really isn't touched on very well, and it's part of this is part of my bias being a sportscaster at one time, is that college athletics are very, very tightly controlled by the athletic directors and also by the uh, sports information directors. And I see that as being probably just a goldmine for stories, because if you watched Last Chance U, that had a ton of awesome stories with that. I mean, just terrific. And I'm sure that with the, you know, 125 other NCAA football teams out there, or even basketball or baseball, you're going to have some great stories to be told. And that probably is going to be the hardest nut to crack other than the EPL. Yeah. No, I look, I think, I think we're, we have a big collegiate project that we're working on. Hasn't been announced yet. It's with a major program and it's done in conjunction with, you know, everyone that we needed to kind of cross T's and dot I's. But I think you're right. I think there not only are great stories and great drama, there's incredible avidity, right? People who love their schools, they love their schools more than, you know, they, they love their pro teams even. Yeah. So honoring those people and delivering, delivering content to those people, I think will be a rush on that. And I think we've cracked a lot of codes. And, you know, and that, I think that was one of the benefits of having quarantines is we were able to have a lot of conversations with a lot of people who weren't distracted. You know, normally things are going a thousand miles an hour and people are traveling and going to games and practicing. And, you know, we had three or four months where everything was just stopped. And so you could literally get people's attention and talk theoretically about these concepts. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we can actually do that. And it's like, yes, like there's a path to get it done. Now we have to do a lot of work to make it happen. But, but I think you're right. I think there's, an, there's a, it's a, it's a treasure trove of IP that, but once you do one or two, people start raising their hands saying, Hey, what about us? Like, wh- where's our story? And, and we have some really good ones that are coming down the pike in our pipeline that, that I'm really excited about that are, that are tilted into the college space. That's awesome. I mean, I think with the uh, uh, going back to the amount of streaming, you know, options that you have available, I think it gives creators like yourself and others a chance to really, you know, not follow the norm when it comes to filmmaking, when it comes to, you know, designing content. I think it gives you guys a chance to really stretch your muscles. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like you mentioned, the big schools or the big stories. Think of the the number one selling sports movie of all time at the box office was a movie about a nondescript offensive lineman from the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Right. Like who? Oh, who, that was the show with Sandra Bullock. Did she rescued right. this kid from the stick? Yeah. Oh my God! Come on, the two of you. Yeah. Blindside. Yeah. Podcast. Blindside. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. But it was okay. you know, if you would if you would have said, look, I want to make a movie about Michael Orr, somebody would have said, who? Yeah. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, you think, oh, we got to make this movie about Michael Jordan. But it's like Michael Orr, that story was so fabulous, so incredible that, you know, it made for one of the great sports movies of all time, certainly one of the most successful. So it's really in the story. Now, sometimes 
the subject and the story are both like off the charts, like Last Dance was. I mean, you had the most famous and successful athlete of all time, and you put together a really great way to tell a story about him. And that was off the charts. But sometimes just having a great story stands on its own 10 times over like Blindside did. So it's really about trying to find those, right? And trying to really work hard to figure out like, you know, we have development executives reading articles and books and trying to find stories. We have an executive on our team that worked for about eight years as a researcher, he started his career at ESPN. And he's like a literally encyclopedia of sports. And it's like, Jeremy, like, what else? Like, what else can we think of? Like, what are we missing? What are we not talking about? I think the reason why, I think the reason why the blind side did so well, everybody loves these success stories, but you can't, like you said, you're comparing like between Michael or Michael Jordan. People see the flash and all that BS constantly, social news at events, the line of cars, the BB parties, these, I'm going to put on the blind side, these stories, the struggle is real. And the real life, 90% of the real life people in poverty, abuse, drugs, struggles on the streets, in the Bronx, the people who fight and persevere to know that they're better than how they're brought up to become something, to be a role model for others. Those are the success stories in these movies because people could actually relate. It gives them that inspiration and motivation through the narrative to be like, hey, you know what? That was me. That was my kid. That was my friend. And it's kind of like that example. It's not sports like Mark Wahlberg's grew up jail time. He would have ended up in jail dead. He even admits it. He's an amazing producer, director, amazing movies, everything. But he, like, people follow him the most versus, I love George Clooney, don't get me wrong. But, you know, the, the easy stories are very rare people have the easy way out. It's the people who struggle and thrive and survive success and don't carry that benchmark or carry that chip on their shoulder to inspire others. That's what people want. They want stories they could believe in and they could relate to. You can't relate to somebody who grew up in, you know, mansions, nannies and got lucky because her dad owned an NBA team and they were tall and could hit a half shot. You know, I mean, those are great, but those, that's not the compelling story that's going to be provocative, compelling to make me connect with you if I don't have that same exact model. So I think that's why these stories that you're talking about, how you change the narrative, that's really the most critical part of driving in the fans, the people, the audiences and everything. Yeah. yeah and, and part of the key is finding the stories that just haven't been told before. You know, it's like there's some we look at that we're like, this is really terrific. And then you're like, but this has been done before. It's been done before three times over. So there's no, we can't reinvent it a different way. It needs to be told the way it's told. So let's pass and let's try to find something that has not been done before. And that there's a challenge in that because, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there, but there's also a real sense of satisfaction when you find that, that nut that, you know, hasn't been cracked yet. And you're like, oh, wow, we've, we're onto something really cool here. So I think finding those stories with meaning, whether, whether they are people from underserved backgrounds or people from privileged background, if there's drama there, if there's something that hasn't been said yet or told or, or something that's interesting, surprising, then let's go chase it down. One thing I really got caught up with during the pandemic was Australian rules football. And some of the stories that, that I heard when they were talking during the game is one of the guys who's a star on, I, I don't know if it was Sydney or whatever, but he drives a cab during the day. Yeah. We're looking at, at all those stories. Like we love this idea of, uh, you know, sports from the 40s and 50s when players weren't making massive salaries. And you kind of look at shows like Marvelous Mrs. Mizell, who Eric 
It's like, can you imagine a professional athlete that had to drive a cab or work as an electrician or as a plumber in the off season to make enough money to get through the season? Because we can't in this generation comprehend that, or at least the last couple of generations, you can't comprehend that. It's like, oh, you're a professional athlete. You must be super wealthy. You know, but there was a time when in the 50s, NFL players are all working in the off seasons because they had to make money. You know, they had to survive. And so it's a, a point of view that you put out there and you have a viewer look at it and go, I didn't really think of that. I didn't know that happened, you know, and the sacrifices that that had to be made, you know, by individuals to to build what is here today is, you know, is is really interesting stuff. What about that movie you guys remember with was it Will Smith about there's a certain term, the concussion, and they, the doctors kept yeah. blowing it off, blowing it off. It's not possible. They had to make obviously you have to wear a helmet. And it was a huge thing that, you know, some really great athletes have died from it. But it was all from football. It's, um, it's a C-U-L. It was a certain, like, three letters. C-P-E. Yeah, C-T-E. Yeah. C-T-E. And it was that movie that was made to really bring light to what's really going on that the sports industry covered up under the headlines. I thought that was, a, I don't know why I was just thought of that. I think that that was a tremendous story. It was, you know, sports related. It was telling the real story behind the headlines. Exactly. The story behind the story. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was good about that. Yeah. And that's what, you know, look, I think... Sports fans, because of the advent of technology, have become more sophisticated than ever and more served than ever, right? I mean, when I was a kid growing up and there were three television stations, like when you were a Yankee fan, like I was growing up, you would have to watch the Yankee game to find out did they win or lose, right? Or you had to wait till the next morning to see the, you know, the New York Post and read, hey, did the Yankees win or lose? You know, now you, you're literally watching th- those games on your phone. You're watching them on an iPad. You're getting your, a tweet. You're getting an Instagram message. You, there's so much information going on. So the need to sit and actually watch nine innings of a baseball game might not be the same as it used to be. But that doesn't mean people don't love the sport just as much. So you have to give them content in different forms. And in our point of view, it's in narrative forms that you know we can deliver to them and say, look, here's a story. If you love the Yankees, let's do an incredible movie or documentary or what, or a television series about something having to do with them. And Yankee fans will eat it up because they want to know things they didn't know before. And they still have you know loyalty to the brand and and all that good stuff. And so I think many years ago, a generation ago, it would have been harder to do because everyone had to watch the game to get the solution. Where now it's like, look, I'm, I know, like, I mean, I'll, I'll say to my kids, Hey, did you see it? And they're like, dad, like I saw that like 10 minutes ago. Like you're so like, you're so 10 minutes ago, you know, it's like, Oh, sorry. Like my, my social media prowess is up, you know, is up to you at, at Mr. 17. So, you know, I think it's a, a perfect storm of, the need of consumers to want to consume this content. It's the the distributors that are buying it and, and wanting needing to distribute it. It's the players and the and the teams and the leagues want to make it. So it's it's really trying to figure out. And we kept saying, well, who are the best storytellers in the world? Right? There are people in Hollywood making these big movies and big television shows. So how do we back Hollywood up to the sports industry or vice versa and say, look, let's get you guys together. And let's figure out how to get this great IP and give it to great storytellers that go, you know, which was happening in bits and pieces. You know, there were great sports movies here and a great sports television show there and a sports podcast here. But it was really about like, how do you do it holistically where it's like, just bring us all the IP. We'll figure out where it goes. So that part we're really excited about because we're, we seem to be at the nexus of, of all this stuff coming together. And now we're actually even getting Hollywood people coming to us saying, Hey, we hear you doing sports. I have a story I want to tell, or I have a script I've been sitting on, or I have an idea that I'd like to explore. And that 
for me is surreal. Like, you know, for Basil, it's, it's everyday work. That's what he's been doing, producing movies, dealing with actors and directors. For me, when he calls me and says, Hey, we need to be on a zoom tomorrow with X, Y, or Z. I'm like, really? <laughs> can I, can, I can't get an autograph through zoom. Can I, you know, it's like, so, so it's, it's fun. Let's go ahead and just get away from the uh, filmmaking for a second here. And let's just talk as uh, sports fans. Do you, I mean, it just like you're talking about, everything is so instantaneous. You can watch any NFL game you want. I mean, again, I grew up in an area that had two TV channels like you or three TV channels. And basically, my only baseball game was Saturday morning's game of the week with Joe Garagiola. But now you can watch anything, anytime, anywhere. Do you foresee a breaking point when it comes to sports consumerism? No, I think we're seeing the enlightenment right now. I think people are having more choices than ever to watch what they want to watch, where they want to watch it, when they want to watch it, how much they want to watch it, which is for sports lovers like me, it sounds like you, like I can't get enough of it. It might not be the same rote way that we did it as kids where it was like, oh, the Knicks are on tonight. Like, dad, can we watch the Nick game? And mom's like, no, we're watching Jeopardy. And it was like, ah, darn, you know, you know, where now it's like, you can get anything you want whenever you want to watch. And if you choose to sit down in the living room and watch a Yankee game or what have you, you can go do that. Rarely happens these days because you can, you can watch it so many different ways. But I think we're in this age of enlightenment where people are getting what they want and they're consuming more and more and more of it. Right. So ESPN uh, was like 12 ESPN stages. I have, Five NFL. I have, you know, I had three different NHL. Oh, don't get me on. started on ESPN because I, mean, <laughs> I, I have some things about them. I really don't like. We, we want to hear about this. The podcast. Greg and I want to know. Corey Minds want to know. But you look at all the ESPN channels: NHL, basketball, baseball. Like I, like I'm surrounded by sports because of who our clients are and everything we do, and I love it. But people don't. You know, I hate to say, it, but a lot of people don't give a shit. They're unemployed, have no money, economy sucks. They're just all that aside is a moot point because they can now get vaccinated, go to a hockey game, a Clippers game. They could go to an NHL game. Like it's all about being out drinking and watching baseball. Two months ago here in LA was a highlight of the news because there's this absolute fanatics. Like I've seen the difference between MLB games, between the Clippers, between hockey. These fans are rabid. They will trample over you to get a ticket to get into a game right now. And seats are limited and it is out of control. But like, let's honestly have a little chat here. Because Greg and I have been sitting here wondering, why why ESPN, Joe? Why the hate and why not the love? It's ESPN. I just think that they have too much control right now over colleges. And I saw it this weekend when they had the uh, NCAA selection. It's this goes into very big minutia. But but they they are the the Bible of sports. Fox has all NHL locked down. They got half the games locked down. No other networks come into it. I mean, ESPN did a great job because, I mean, now you look at esports and the ESPN esports channel disappeared. I got a story behind that because we got the alerts on why ESPN Disney said, screw it, cut it, they're done. Within 12 hours, every major ESPN esports gaming guy got cut, chopped out, didn't put it up for bid on the chopping block, just leveled it within two hours and let it go. Okay, well, that sucked up Disney, it's esports. ESPN is like the Bible of sports, like Fox owns some of these live games. And it's a who cares sports. As long as I give you 20 channels of every sports, every which way, who cares? As long as I'm smart, intuitive on every channel, and I'm giving you choices of channels. I just, okay. Say it. Come on, say it. Greg <laughs> okay, and I, I'm going to come out and say it. Face. I think that they, I honestly think 
that they control college sports a lot more than a lot of people think they do. And I think that when it comes to like playoffs, I think whatever ESPN wants, ESPN is going to get. And it doesn't matter who is actually the more deserving team. They are looking at who's going to be watching the game. And that's just, it's it's my opinion. It isn't yours, Sarah. It isn't Greg's. It's my opinion. But that's the politics of sports, the politics of broadcast. And like, you know, I know, okay, Joe was at Dick Clark Productions. I mean, Joe, I'm sorry. Greg was there. I mean, we worked with them before the AG. I mean, it's the power of broadcast. I mean, I'm not going to, ESPN, I don't own the refs calling the shots on the field or on the court. But if I want to control the viewers and I have a bigger broadband, a bigger audience and network, and you're talking politics and sports, I mean, I don't think there's any other option. If it's a fight for airtime on a sports team's, I don't think that's smart. I weigh in on this, Greg. Let's check. Yeah, I want to hear what Greg has to say. He's he's kind of sitting there going, what are these two nuts doing? (laughs) No, look, I think what ESPN, I I won't get into the politics of it. I'll leave that to Joe. But I think what ESPN realized years ago was how to tap into avidity, right? How to tap into this religion that people have for their sports. And I'll tell you a quick like side note. Like I, I played college basketball at the University of Connecticut, which has one of the great fan bases Go Huskies. Go Huskies, right? All yeah. time. Great yeah. fan bases. And even when I was playing, we weren't that great, but the fans were still incredibly loyal and they showed up and we sold out. And obviously you've seen what's happened over the years with the men and the women, you know, with 11 titles for the women and four for the men. It's been amazing. And I loved it. And there were so many people that would and still to this day, they come up. I love the Huskies. I love the Huskies. I love the Huskies. I went overseas to play in Greece. And so I get there the first day and I was walking around and I was learning Greek. And I asked one of my friends, like, what team that they follow? Like, what's their favorite team? And their answer in Greek was, I may Olympiako, which means I am Olympiakos. So like that struck me that they answer who they like as a fan, like you would answer the question of what your religion is or what your political party is, right? I mean, it's like, I am Christian or Greek Orthodox, I am Democrat or Republican, right? It's like to them, it's it's part of the fabric of who they are. It's not what they like, it's what they are. And, you know, and so I think what ESPN and, and others have done, but ESPN particularly as a worldwide leader in sports, figured that out early, early, early that, hey, there's this incredible like kind of religious kind of thing to, to sports where people are just loyal and avid and how do they you know, deliver solutions that keep people tied in. And, and whether it's too political or not political enough, I'll leave that up to smarter guys like Joe to figure out. But I think, you know, to their credit, they figured out how to push those buttons and get, you know, and attract those audiences and myself included, right? I mean, I'm, if we do have the TV on, it's usually on ESPN somewhere, just trying to watch whatever the game of the particular night is. Yeah, and I, I'll be one of those who says, yes, I watch ESPN quite a bit. I have it on there quite a bit, but at the same time is one of those, I just, I look at things, how, how they were. Maybe I'm the kind of guy that sits there and it screams at clouds up in the sky, but I'm, I sit there and I watch ESPN now and I watch it for what it was. Honestly, I, I see a cheaper product, especially on, on the air right now, just to give people more of game action. Yeah, but you're, 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 because you're also, you've always been a huge college ball fan. Plus you're a sports pastor. You ran well, you know, this game for the hockey. So you're coming from a whole different aspect of right. opinion. Have you seen it? I'm just a fan. Can I say it, Greg? There's, there's, but I think we have a good show coming up. You should do a thing, Greg, on sports cults. I Interesting stories there, I bet. Of the, like no way somebody's going to sit there and just stand back 
It means it means that ends of where they go to. They get into that stadium or to get a ball or like they'll punch people out, get in bras just to get that puck in the air. That could be a good one for you. Alabama, oh. University of Alabama. <laughs> oh, it's everywhere. Look, when I grew up in New York and my kids, I have three sons. When they were growing up, we lived in New York area, Connecticut, and then we moved to Charlotte for the job with the with the Hornets and then back to the job at the Garden. And then we moved to L.A. And so they've been, you know, they've had this eclectic life that, you know, sports people because it's a small business and you go where the jobs are. But I made sure to indoctrinate them from day one. They were going to be Yankee fans, Knicks fans, Ranger fans and Giant fans like that was it like that, you know, and and so. We have our own little mini cult, right? Like, but uh, but no, I think you're right. I think there's a like a certain fascination with what makes hooliganism, like what makes this like like this incredible fandom that goes beyond rational thought. It's fascinating, and it's they're frankly why we're doing personal it. ties. You are a New Yorker, grew up in that. Everybody has a personal, emotional, like whatever it is, they have some tie deep down that draws them to place, location, a person, a thing that they can relate to, but. And we're going to have to wrap here. But Joe, what was that big team that we were talking to? We had this internal call, the staff there. And Joe was like, had to pop in for something. And it was a big game that Alex was going to. Alex Walter, he's our um, uh, editor. Oh, we're he talking Buffalo hurt. Bills. I mean, that's another one of those. And I'm Greg, I know you probably know a little bit about Northern New York and just how the Bills Mafia is yeah. just, I mean, but you know, I, thought, I thought Raider fans were nuts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But Bills fans bring it to a new level. Yeah. I'll tell you, I, I, I read is something legit? really interesting. Is this, is it like factor? Oh, totally legit. Totally legit. I mean, it's, you know, it's the thing. I mean, and if you're from Buffalo, there's not a lot to do when it's six feet of snow on the ground. So you you have incredible passion. But I read this great article about Tex Schramm, who was the real genius behind the Dallas Cowboys, that he, when the Cowboys were moving into the NFL, he insisted on a couple things. He insisted that they play in the NFC East, which they're not in the Eastern team, but he insisted on it because he knew the media, the media capital of the world was New York. So he wanted to be in that. But he also set up training camp in Los Angeles. So why did the Cowboys play in Los Angeles? But the, he knew he had the center of the country covered with this, with the, you know, the team being in Dallas. So it was just incredible way for them to become America's team. You know, where you know Buffalo Bills are Buffalo's team, right? And Northern New York's team. But Tech Shram had this genius to say, look, I'm gonna figure out like how do I and it was all marketing. You know, it's like how did that team end up in the NFC East playing against the Giants, the Eagles, and the and the Redskins? It's real genius on his end and really tapping into that that vein of like avid fans and and and, and exposing your brand as widely as you can. What's your favorite sport, Greg? I mean, I played basketball and I love it, but I think baseball is, as a fan, the Yankees are my favorite team. And as a fan, I just, and my kids, they roll their eyes at me. They're like, dad, how can you sit through a baseball game? And I'm like, cause it's baseball. It's a metaphor for life. You know, it's about failure and perseverance and, you know, strategy and all these incredible things. And you, you have to watch it with patience, not with, you know, like, oh my God, what's happening now? What's happening now? So I don't know. Do you know why I like baseball games? I can have a conversation, put four deals together, answer five emails, and chat with you about some other stuff, and we're still on third base. Yeah, yeah, but you're an L. Yeah, you're an LA fan, so you show up in the third inning, you leave in the seventh. Yeah. Okay, good point. But at least I get a lot done versus you know I'm at a baseball game. Wait, Joe, what's your favorite sport? Baseball by a mile. I mean, I love soccer, but I, I love baseball. I grew up playing baseball in the small town I grew up in. I mean, in my small town, we had five major league baseball stars grow up there. Wow. 
And this is a wow. town of yeah. like 2000 people. Yeah, Hello. no, it's amazing. I mean, it's, you know, like, look, I, I, I like everything, but you know, if I'm, if I had a choice, I, you know, the, the, to me, the Yankees are like my favorite. So I would hunker down and watch a good baseball game, but uh, not many of us left. I mean, we have to work on that to just, yeah. you know, it's really yeah. funny. We've had, uh, I have an NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA. I have had everybody around the world, but MLB, they're my last ones get on the podcast, but I think now I have no choice. <laughs> yeah, I think I need to put MLB on the podcast. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we got to get somebody on there that would do it justice. Because well, I could do twenty deals, talk to Greg, and chat, and we'll still be on the first three minutes of our podcast. Hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I went. I went and saw the Diamondbacks this weekend against against the Nationals. I'm not a Diamondbacks fan, but it was it was baseball. I don't care who plays; it's baseball. Yeah, no, it's it's terrific. And, and uh, the look, I think <laughs> yeah. But, I, you know, look, I think sports is continually improving. Athletes are getting better. It's more compelling than ever. I mean, it's fun. like I have friends that don't like the NBA and I'm like, like they love college basketball. And uh-huh. I look at it from the perspective of, look, to me, I love them both totally differently. You know, like pro basketball is so precise and these guys are so talented. Like they do things you can't even imagine. And then when you watch a college game, so many more missed shots, so many more turnovers, so many, so much more sloppiness, but there's so much more emotion, right? There's so much more at stake. There's, you know, so there's, it's a, just a different flavor. You know, do I want to eat chicken or steak? I mean, I love them both, but like tonight I'm going to eat chicken. Yeah, and see, watch, see, I, am, I am for the NA Clippers girl. I would never be a UC LA girl or USC girl. I do not. Get in. I cannot stand college basketball, but I will never miss the chance to be at the Sixers, the Mavs, or a Clippers game. There we go. Bulls game. There you go. There you go, guys. Oh my God. It was okay. so good talking to you, Greg. Yeah, I think we this just is have, fun. We, I think we just have so much more in sports to cover. For everybody listening, where can they come find you and what or what movies you're putting out and what you're working on? Where's a good place to send everybody to? Uh, Game1.com. Okay. Perfect. It's so good having you on awesome. and everything. Thank you guys for it's having me. Catching up with you. And then, you know, as soon as the Yankees start playing or I catch a game, I'm going to be hunting we'll, you down we'll and making catch a game. for that one. Yeah. Did it Joe, stay cool out there. Wait, yeah, do Yankees definitely. come to LA? Is this Steve? I don't know anything about baseball. Uh, yeah, they, they, play yeah, the Dodgers? Well, they play the, the Angels. They, yeah, they yeah. play the Angels. I'm not sure if they have Dodgers series no, this year. They don't have the Dodgers. I think NL East has the AL East this year. So, okay. So yeah. if there's a Yankees Angels game, Greg and I are going to be at the game. We'll there you go. Our yeah. Next yeah, we'll, hit, we'll go down to Anaheim. Yeah, that's that good. We'll good place to go. Well, that, is that really LA? You know, it's not really LA, <laughs> but we'll, you know, that's, that's another podcast. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's the rock pile. That I'm dragging him to an NBA game, the Clippers game. It was so good having you on, Greg, and spending yeah, time with Yeah, good to see those. you guys. Joe, awesome, awesome sports hour. Learned a lot today. Joe Pirates. So this is Sarah oh. Miller with Media Mavis Podcast signing off. We'll see everybody next Wednesday. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider to learn more about the podcast or our guests. Log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.